Hello, everybody. Welcome to Unrefined Women, an ongoing dialogue between two sisters on the topics of spirituality, religious trauma, mental health, family dynamics, and feminism. This is your co-host, Margaret. And no, this is not another solo episode this week. It's just me for the introduction, but we are going to dive into the episode here in a few minutes where Agnes and I interview Lucy Boyland. I am going to save the story of how we ended up getting connected with Lucy um, in, until you get to the actual interview itself. But Lucy is a fellow podcaster and creator, as well as a college dropout and a local barista based in central Arkansas. She grew up in a Southern Baptist community, but began her deconstruction process in the early days of 2020. I find Lucy's story really, really fascinating, I think because it's so different from my experience, where I grew up within religion, and I was so just constantly traumatized and aware of how traumatized I was and aware of how fucked up things were for me. I think Lucy's experience was different because as she's going to share with you in just a moment, she grew up, you know, in a a Southern Baptist community and she was actually really enjoyed being part of the community throughout her life. It was a, a willing and active participant in the religion. And it wasn't until, well, I'll just wait and let you hear it yourself. (laughs) But anyway, it's just a very different experience for mine. And I think it's really refreshing, um, especially because so many people I meet that have left religion, kind of like me, they leave and they kind of cut everything cold turkey and they just believe there's no such thing as God anymore and become atheists. That's such a normal trajectory. And Lucy's is just so different. I love how she was able to leave the confines of organized religion, yet she still has a very close relationship with God. And it's I, it sounds to me like it's actually helped her um, become closer to God, being able to not have those, you know, those different barriers in place. So one thing I do want to mention, we got so carried away in our conversation that we forgot to share Lucy's tags to social media. So Instagram, her Instagram name name is at underscore Lucy, L-U-C-Y, McKenzie, spelled M-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E underscore. So again, for Instagram, it's at underscore Lucy McKenzie underscore. And then for TikTok, she's very active on TikTok. Her name on TikTok is just simply Lucy Boyland, spelled out as her normal name. And finally, most exciting, she has an amazing podcast, guys. I'm such a fan. Her podcast is You're So Introverted. And, you know, I'm introverted. So obviously, I just love the name and everything she's talking about on there. So if you're really into uh, listening to other people who have left religion and hearing about that. She's really, um, really shares even more in depth her story of leaving religion. Guys, part of what really got me drawn to Lucy was just her ability to be able to sit in the nuanced. And I think like right now, especially like in the world, we look around, we turn on the news, we scroll through social media and just, it's, it's just rough out there. Like it's really rough out there. There's so much happening. There's so much pain. There's so much emotion. There's so much conflict and division right now. And I feel like the conversations that Lucy's having on her podcast and the conversation that she's bringing to our podcast today, she really is able to sit and take, take things in and try to relate and understand different perspectives 
um, and different people's stories and experiences, even if they aren't exactly the same stories and experiences she's had. And she's so respectful and she's so willing. And this is such a huge thing because I don't see this happening a much, very much, but she's so open and willing to listen to different stories and really try to understand and empathize. And she's drawing connections across these lines and divisions, which I think is so, so powerful. So thank you for being here today. And I hope you enjoy this conversation with Lucy as much as we did. Hello, Lucy. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, thank you. I'm trying to remember like how we met. I know you had like posted something on Instagram um, like tagging our podcast in it. I think that was the first time I had ever heard of you. And I have to be honest, I was like so excited. I like texted Agnes. I was like, OMG, oh. some person we don't know tagged us on Instagram. Like people know us. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I had listed, I think my top five podcast episodes that I'd listened to recently and put them on my Instagram story. And then you guys, I think, were the only ones that responded to it. And so I was really excited because I was Aww. like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> I'm having like a conversation with people that I listen to. So it was really fun. Yeah, well, I was super excited because we were actually, so I actually just moved to Texas. I think I told you that, like, just in the last, like, we, I've only been yeah. in Texas, like, for a week. And so I actually, um, I think we met like right as we were leaving Vegas. So I was super excited because I had a long car ride, like, you know, three days of traveling in the car. And I was like, yay, yeah. lots of time for podcasts and audiobooks. So I actually got to like listen to some of your episodes and I really, really liked it. And I was like really shocked at like how young you are because I was telling Agnes, I was like, Lucy's like so wise for like, you know, you, you, you both are probably similar in age, but I was like, you are so wise. Like literally hearing you talk about spirituality and living Christianity. I was like, I feel like you're kind of in the place that it took me 10 years to get to. So yeah, props to you. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it, it took me a long time to get here too. I'm, I think I started, I don't think I, I would have said it at the time, but I think I started deconstructing Christianity in like 2016. So it's it's been a long time coming, <laughs> but yeah, it was a process for me too. So why don't you just start off with sharing with our listeners just a little bit about who you are and just a short summary of your story. Yeah, so um, my name is Lucy. I've lived in Arkansas all my life. Um, I was homeschooled all the way through my education until college, and then I went to a private Christian college. Um, dropped out after a year and a half because college was too expensive for my financial um, position at the time. And so I dropped out and then started working as a barista in 2017. And ever since then, I have been a barista. So I've been in the coffee industry for give or take five years, I think now. Um, and it's been super fun. I meet a lot of cool people that way. Um, and yeah, I started my podcast, You're So Introverted, two months ago. And I'd been thinking about starting one for a long time, but it was one of those things where I was like, yeah, it's too saturated. Like everybody's starting a podcast. And so I'm not gonna be able to add anything. 
So might as well just leave that for the pros. So I didn't, I didn't do it. And I had thought about it for like a year or two. And then one day I decided why not give it a shot? And it's been so much fun. Um, so I do that. I read a lot. I am starting to garden more. I live in an apartment, but I have a lot of plants that I care for. Like they're my children. Um, I live with my fiance and our dog and it's a great little life and that's about it. Yeah. Oh, I love it. So I want to talk a little bit about you being a barista because I think that's so exciting. Yeah. And especially seeing, I, I looked up your Instagram and I'm like scrolling through it and I'm like, Ooh, look at these lattes. <laughs> um, do you work, do you work for like a corporate company or do you work for like a locally owned company? No, it's locally owned. I, ever since I got into coffee, I've been pretty strict about working in local shops instead of going like big corporate type of things. Mm -hmm. So I've been working at this shop for a little over two years, maybe two and a half. Um, And it's the longest I've ever stayed in one place for a job. So I really love it a lot. Yeah, it seems like it. Yeah, that seems like such a really cool job. I don't know. When I heard you were a barista, I was like, because that actually like crossed my mind recently because I'm in between jobs. I was like, oh, maybe I should be a barista. There was like okay. that hot minute where, <laughs> where I thought about it. So I was like excited. <laughs> yeah. but... <laughs> it's one yeah. thing I love about it. And part of the reason why I got into it in the beginning was because it's such a great way to meet people. And so if you're relocating or like starting a new season of life, it's like, the perfect in to find community in my opinion Mm -hmm. so anytime that i've had like a gone through a transition i've been able to find my new little pocket of people by either customers that come in or coworkers that i have at the time like we just get really close and so it's really sweet so you live in arkansas and honestly the last few months i've been noticing a lot of people just that I've seen on social media and even like some authors that I like follow, they live in like Oklahoma, Arkansas and like kind of that in like Texas and that little like region. And I feel like there's like a spiritual community like rising. Is that just me or is that like really happening or how is your experience? I guess, listen, living in Arkansas. That's so interesting. I think from an insider perspective, it's probably a lot harder to see that because the community I grew up in and also the town that I live in is very conservative Christianity, like traditional values, which is not bad by any means, but like it's it's just hard to see people that are like a little bit outside of the mold when it comes to spiritual things. Mm-hmm. Um I definitely know in my close community, several people who are like pretty aligned with me spiritually, Um, but it it doesn't feel like a common thing by any means. Okay. So it's just social media. (laughs) Maybe so. Or maybe people are just more open on social media than they are in real life. I don't know. True. So you, were you born and raised in Arkansas? Yes. Yes, I was. Wow. Okay. So you're like, right. That's like considered the Bible belt, right? You're like right in the Bible belt. (laughs) Yes. I am in the thick (laughs) of it. (laughs) 
Wow. So were you raised Christian? Can you t- can you talk to us a little bit about like what your upbringing was like? Was like because you were homeschooled as we were as well. That seems to be very common for okay. people. I don't think I knew raised, that. Yeah. Yeah, we were. I was homeschooled my entire life until college, and Agnes was homeschooled part okay. of the time, and then like private school part of the time, like Catholic private school. Gotcha. So, yeah. So, what was your upbringing like? I was raised Christian. We went to the same church for pretty much my entire upbringing. Like, even this is kind of a funny story. When I was born. My parents were at a church and then like, I think either a couple months before I was born or a couple months after that church split and went to like two different, two completely different organizations, churches. And so we went to one of the split offs and that was the beginning of that church. And then I was there for um. 18 years before I went to college. And then I went back for a couple of years, even after I left college. So I grew up all my life in the same church. Um, It was definitely Southern Baptist, but it wasn't like, it didn't feel very aggressively Southern Baptist, if you know what I mean by that. (laughs) Um, And so I didn't really notice anything wrong with it and of course if you're being raised in something and like indoctrinated into something then you're not really going to see the flaws until you leave that um but i really enjoyed it for a while uh i think it wasn't until it wasn't really until college that i found something wrong with the church i think what i had a problem with was in the homeschool community it was very, it felt very sheltered to me. Um, even when I could find people my age that were not like hiding under a rock and didn't know who Taylor Swift was, you know, um, it still feel, <laughs> it still felt very restricted. And I am a naturally curious and inquisitive person. I love to research. I love nonfiction books. Like I'm going to deep dive into whatever I find interesting. And so because my entire life was religion, I wanted to deep dive into religion and nobody else wanted to (laughs) because they were like, don't question the Bible. We need to just have faith. And that is the community that I grew up with for really like 20 years because even when I was in college and away from home I was still in that same kind of environment just like a little bit more mature I guess now did you end up going to uh, like a Christian college in Arkansas or did you travel somewhere else for that yeah I went to a Baptist college in Arkansas it was like an hour and a half away from where I grew up so even then it was like I could go home every weekend if I wanted to. It it felt like there was no distance between me and my family or me and my previous church at the time. Felt basically the same. So when you went to college, what was that experience like for you and being around other people that were deep in the religion? The first the first few months of college was really hard for me 
because me and my first roommate didn't really get along. And I kind of had this picture of college and roommates where it was like best friends right off the bat. Like that's the person you would hang out with and you would like stay up late talking and whatever. My roommate hated me. I'm like 90% positive about that. And I have no idea why. Um, But we only lived together for a semester because it got so bad that I was like, I have to find a different room. So um, the first semester and really the first year, I had a lot of issues with anxiety because I really felt that loneliness because First of all, I'm living with a person that doesn't act like I exist. And then I also had friends that I was close with the first semester that were pledging the second semester, and I didn't. I didn't rush or pledge or anything. Um, so, What is pledging? Oh, I forget that people don't even know what that is sometimes. <laughs> um, so fraternities and sororities, that's a whole thing, but in – like Christian schools, at least in Arkansas, I don't know about everywhere else, um, they call them social clubs. So it's like different, but the same. Uh, So basically Greek life, but off brand. Um, (laughs) So that's, that's all that was. And I decided that I wasn't really going to be a part of that scene. Like it wasn't really my vibe. So I didn't do that. But a lot of my friends did. Um, which meant that all of their time was taken up by that social club. So I lost a lot of like closeness with people that I was around. Um, so that was the first year also that I started going to counseling and, um, that was also my worst experience with counseling because there was only one therapist on campus and he was like a 60 year old man. And I was like, I'm not really, Ugh. I'm not really vibing with this. I don't think I can really <laughs> confide in oh, wow. you. And so I went for like four weeks and it didn't really do anything, but I pretty much gave up on it for a while. Um, But the second year, my sophomore year, I was only there for a semester. But at that point I had really solidified and found my friend circle, even though it was really small. And so I felt a little bit more accepted, a little bit more at home. And so to have to tear myself away from that because I couldn't afford it was so hard. (laughs) And so I went home after that semester and again was found with no close community, at least my age because everyone who was my age was in college and not in my little central Arkansas town. Um, So that was my, one of my earliest years of going through depression. Um, So yeah, that was kind of, kind of a summary of my college journey, I guess. I Again, I didn't really see anything wrong with the way that religion was practiced just because I had always grown up with it. But I think after exiting the bubble, which is what we called it when we were there, um, because the college was also in a small town. And so there was nothing in the town with the college except another college. 
<laughs> which is funny. Um, but yeah, so I exited the bubble and then I could see kind of like hindsight, just seeing how, and this feels like a harsh thing to say, but how brainwashed we are whenever we're in a community like that. And it's like an echo chamber of the same opinions, the same beliefs, mm-hmm. the same regurgitated ideas that we've been fed for however many years. Um, so looking back on that, it's like hard to see past me in that. Um, but it's also really cool to see how I've progressed even in only a couple of years time. So, yeah. I can really relate to what you're saying about the bubble because I went to a private high school and it was the same thing. And, and this was like cult, like very culty, like it was very much of like a bubble, like a lot, like there were high schoolers that like, they wouldn't talk about periods. They wouldn't talk about yeah. <laughs> like even having like a relationship. Like it was very, very like closed off and like it. And like you said, like everyone's just kind of in this chamber and everyone's just kind of sharing the same beliefs. And it's almost like you can't get out of it because that's what I did. And then I ended up getting kicked out. So <laughs> It's like, you, <laughs> so you can't like think outside the box. It's like impossible. And especially like in a small community. So I can really understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, but so what, where was, where were you at? Like with your religion, like after you left college and then uh, I guess like leading up to when you started to deconvert, what happened with that? Yeah. So the first year after I, had dropped out of college. I lived with my parents. So nothing really changed with that. Again, it was the same cycle of like, I've always been in this. I see nothing wrong, all of that stuff. And then I moved out of their house at the very beginning of 2019. And so then I was like out on my own pretty much for the first time, um, lived in a house with three other girls. And our goal for that house like we said this whenever we signed the lease, we were like, we want this to be a house of God, basically. Like we want this to be a place where people can come and worship. We want this to be a place where people can have Bible studies, all the things. So we were very much, we want to be a part of it. And I was like all in. Um And I don't think that started crumbling for me until I hit another bump of depression and anxiety where I couldn't bring myself to serve in the church as much. And so then I started seeing a certain level of disapproval from my community, not my roommates, but like even the people that we would invite into our home, I felt like I wasn't doing enough for them or being enough of a spiritual leader for them. And so I, I really felt like I wasn't good enough. And so that was one of the first times that I was thinking to myself, we're preaching about this God who offers us unconditional love. And it's not based on works, but based on faith. So why do I feel so bad 
about my lack of works. Um, so I think that was the first time that I was like, this, something's not right. And I need to take a step back. It was a really small step back, but it was the first one. So it started the whole domino effect, you know? So in 2020, I was still living in the same house, but a couple of roommates have come and gone. So it was a little bit of a different vibe, but not much. But then quarantine happened. And so all the churches were shut down. Nobody could go to church. So that was my in that or my out, I guess. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> I, I knew that it was the perfect time to fully step back and listen to myself and learn from other sources and not just from my home church that I had been learning from all my life. And that was also the time when I allowed myself to ask really basic questions, like why would a loving God send his children to hell? Stuff like that, that whenever you ask questions like that in church, they're like, oh, because God's ways are higher than our ways, or God knows what he's doing, just have faith. Like stuff like that always would get on my nerves, <laughs> but I never felt like I had the mm -hmm. space to question that or like the authority to question that. And so during the whole year of 2020, I consumed so many sermons, books, blog posts, like all stories and research about other people's experience in church or their in-depth study on the archaeology of the Bible, like really intense research. And I slowly started figuring out, like, I don't know if I actually believe everything that I've been taught all my life. And that was so scary <laughs> to me because whenever you're in a family that is so intensely Christian, you just don't know how they're going to accept doubt or questioning or disagreement or any of those things. Um, so I was really quiet about it for a long time. I didn't tell most of my friends, I told some really close people that I was starting to question things, but my family knew none of it for the longest time. I don't think I was really open about it until really this year, like a couple months ago, I was like, you know what, this is who I am now and this is what I believe and I don't know why I should have to sugarcoat that for people anymore. And obviously there's a level of respect and I try to keep that in mind, but I also am trying to learn to remember to respect myself in that as well. Yeah, and that's so important. And how was it with your parents when they found out about you leaving your conditioning? Yeah, so whenever I decided to step back from the church and stop going, they were concerned, mostly. They were like, well, we really think that it would be good and beneficial for you to stay in church. Like, that's a good source of community. 
and that'll probably help with your anxiety and like all of those things and they truly believe that and that's fine but in my reality a lot of my anxiety was stemming from my church attendance and so i kind of explained that to them and they were i don't know if i should say okay with it but they accepted it um and that was kind of the end of that conversation but the thing that really I think really concerned my parents was politics because with my change in beliefs, they started to see a change in my political opinions. And so things like reproductive rights, things like immigration or racism, like all of those things, they started to get really concerned because they thought that I was being brainwashed, which is ironic. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) and so we had a lot of conversations about politics and they would ask me things like, what do you think the Bible says about that? Or how do you feel that that reflects Christianity to the world or things like that? And I didn't really know how to answer at the time because at that time I was still, labeling myself as a Christian, just like with a little bit of like flair, you know, (laughs) I was still Mm -hmm. calling myself Christian. Um, So I didn't know how to disagree with them well, or to explain to them why I thought that it was wrong, other than being like, I don't think Jesus would think that this is loving people. Um, And they were like, well, yeah, but there's more to it than that, or whatever they would say. And I was like, I mean, maybe, but (laughs) the point is to love people. And so until I had fully come to terms with the fact that I identify myself as agnostic, I didn't really know how to explain that to them. And I told them like three or four months ago that I am agnostic and they pretty much um, dismissed it. And they were like, well, you were saved when you were six. And so we think you're still a Christian, but you can kind of call yourself whatever. And you'll come back to the truth eventually, like that type of thing, which is honestly a better response than I expected. And so I was fine with it. At that point, I was like, you know what? They know my truth. And now I can be open with it with whoever and so then I shared it on my podcast (laughs) um but now I I feel a lot more free when it comes to talking about my beliefs and my opinions because I don't have to think about like oh my my family doesn't know this yet and so that's kind of how that went down (laughs) and how did your roommates and your friends react to Um, I didn't really get into the swing of my deconstruction until like my, my second, um, wave of roommates, I guess. And they were all a little bit more progressive, I guess, than the first was. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the community we brought in and the conversations we had were already pretty, open-minded I think they were definitely more rooted in the church than I was at the time and they still 
even now they still like try to go to church and they call themselves Christians, which is great for them. And they feel good about that. But what really made a difference in our relationship as roommates was the openness. Like I would ask questions and they would be totally fine with saying like, I don't know, we'll have to look at that. Or mm-hmm. um, I would say something and they'd be like, yeah, the church is actually doing that really wrong. <laughs> and we disagree with that, you know? So it, it didn't feel like this superiority inferiority thing. It felt like we were on an even playing field. So that changed a lot of my my comfortability when it came to deconstruction. I felt like I had a support system to fall back on if, if I needed it. And I had people within the church that were willing to accept my questions and that made it feel so much safer. Um, and I'm still close with them now, even though I moved out like a little over a year ago. Um, and I had lived in my own apartment for a few months and then have lived with my fiance for a few months. Um, so yeah, they, they accepted it pretty well. And we've had a lot of good conversations since then. Um, so I, I'm really grateful for those friendships because they've just grown immensely in how authentic they are and how deep they can be. So yeah, that's really beautiful. I think that that's that's something I really loved about your story, hearing it on your podcast too. It sounds like you've had a lot of support and um, I just love like the questions that you ask and like your level of comfort and being able to step into that space of like, oh, well, you know, we don't know and that's okay. There's so much unknown here. So I think that's just such a beautiful part of your story. Yeah, I think that that's one of the most important things to me about how I live my life now is just being okay with not knowing everything because I even in like high school whenever people were going on mission trips or they were talking about evangelism there was always this idea of you have to know how to answer questions or they're not going to believe you And so then I had this pressure of, I have to know how to answer these questions or they're going to spend the rest of eternity in hell. And it's going to be my fault because I didn't know. And so now I have, it's like a, a huge weight is lifted off of me because I don't have to know. And uncertainty is just a part of everyday life. And it should be normalized. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think that is, it's like one of my favorite attributes about myself now, just like being comfortable with not knowing everything. I still definitely have anxious moments, um, but it's not nearly as bad as it used to be. I can definitely relate to that. Margaret and I have discussed a lot of like how throughout the years, especially after we've deconverted and again, like that pressure of like always having to have an answer for things. And that's not even just in religion. Like we have that a lot in politics, like 
getting in a political debate with a family member and then they like shoot something Mm -hmm. at you and you don't know the answer and then you get like all flustered and defensive (laughs) so yeah like I think that it like it's so important to acknowledge uncertainty and I think you worded that beautifully and that's it's just part of human the human experience so yeah and then moving forward with like where you are now and I know for myself and I know with Margaret as well like it took us a while to like once we deconverted we had to like kind of spend a few years or some time like kind of just like in a weird like limbo where and then we had like a jump start of like being able Mm -hmm. to recreate spirituality recreate our, our religious views and our relationship with God or whatever that entity is so how was that for you and you know you mentioned that you're agnostic how is your your relationship with God if you have one and how has your spirituality been since then it has been a very interesting learning period for me because I think what I told myself in the beginning was okay just find something that you feel really confident in and then start there and I think the thing for me was the universe is so complex and beautiful and interconnected that in my belief there is no way that there is not some kind of higher power like holding everything together and creating a plan for everything and so I started with that and that's kind of the core of my spirituality even now um but I even like came back to this idea of who is God and why do we have all these different religions and who is right is anyone right what does that mean (laughs) to be right and I came to the point where after reading about several of the more well-known religions and even like super early ancient religions um just coming to the point where god feels like an umbrella term and everybody is right everybody everybody's got bits and pieces of the puzzle but we all just have to like put it together as a group and not just one religion putting the puzzle together because it's going to look different um and i don't know if you've ever heard this analogy, but a friend of mine told this to me a few months back. She said that there's this analogy about these blind men and an elephant in a room. And each of these men were on different sides of the elephant touching different things. So one of them is touching the tail, one is touching the tusk, one is touching its its trunk, and the other is touching its foot. And they're all describing it and they're all thinking that they're feeling different things, but they're all touching the same elephant. And that's how I feel God is in my mind. It's just a bunch of different aspects of God that we've all come across or felt in our lives. And so we're all saying different things but we're talking about the same god i love that 
That is so beautiful. I've never actually thought about it like that, but from, yeah, from my like own experience and like research on different religions, it's just like, I, I've said it so many times in the past, but like every religion really is just like culture and history. So like a native American person from a couple hundred years ago was, is going to have any idea of like what they practice in Asia. So you know, it's, they're all kind of finding their own version of God and praying to it. And the issue, and honestly, why there's so many, so much like conflict with religion now is because all of these big religions are literally manifesting, uh, like trauma and conflict and violence Mm -hmm. and separation among the religions and creating this unnecessary war about what's right and what's wrong and who's going to hell and who's going to heaven. And I have such a huge issue with missionaries, like people that go and go on these savior trips and they're trying to save the starving children in Mm -hmm. Africa and everything. And it's like, okay, like, you know, if you're donating, doing like a work of charity, like that is, you know, outside of your religion, like that's a, that's a ethical thing to do. And that's very good for you. But to go and try to brainwash other people on your culture is colonization and clearly colonization is bad (laughs) it's history shows the proof of its evilness yeah i think agnes you and i too have talked a little bit about different religions and i loved lucy how you use that analogy like we all have a piece of the puzzle because i've used that same analogy too it feels like kind of stepping outside like for us it was catholicism but like stepping outside of Catholicism and taking some time away from that and then looking back it's like well like I know where I'm at now I'm like you know not everything in Catholicism is wrong like I can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. there's a lot of beautiful elements to Catholicism a lot of beautiful elements to Christianity I think there's truth there and I think where like the train fell off the tracks was like the corruption that us humans brought to that and you know, taking things from the Bible and misconstruing them and, and taking things literally where they were supposed to be more metaphorically. Um, and then just like this clinging on to, I have the answers and this is true. Therefore, everyone else must be wrong without understanding that there can be multiple things that can all be true at the same time. Mm. Do you still believe or do you still use the word God or do you use different words? Because I know for myself, actually, God was really triggering for me for a while after leaving religion and I had to use other words. What has that been like for you? I think it's all kind of interchangeable for me now. I sometimes I'll say God, sometimes I'll refer to it as the universe. Sometimes I'd say higher power. It's Mm -hmm. kind of just whatever feels right for what I'm talking about or what I'm thinking about. Because I feel like different things have different connotations too. Like God, whenever I think of the term God, because of how I was raised, feels very fatherly and protective. And I don't know if authoritative is the right word, but like in control. And then the universe as a term feels more feminine and flowy and creative. And so I guess it just depends on how I'm feeling in the moment or what type of situation I'm in. Um, but I, I don't really have mm-hmm. just a label that I stick with at this point. 
I really like that. I feel the same way as yeah. well. And just like using using like random names at random times. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have any like spiritual teachers or any like influencers or people on YouTube or even people that you know in real life that have like influenced your uh, shift in spirituality? Um, I don't know if I have anyone super specific. I would say when I was in the beginning stages of deconstruction, Rob Bell, the author, I really enjoyed his books. He wrote a book called What is the Bible that goes into depth on like how the Bible was written, um, how it's taken out of context, all those types of things. He also wrote a book called Love Wins, which was when his controversy became very heightened because it's about heaven and hell and basically how he believes that God's not sending people to hell. Um, And it was the first time that I felt really comfortable with believing that there wasn't going to be an eternal damnation, um, which was really comforting to me to come to terms with. Um, (laughs) So I would definitely say if you're a reader, then go for Rob Bell. As far as influencers go, I follow a lot of like witchy spiritual people that do like tarot and astrology stuff because they also talk a lot about like inner child healing and shadow work and stuff like that. And so watching Mm -hmm. their journeys and hearing about different things that they're working through has inspired me to do the same, whether it be in therapy or in journaling or anything like that. And so whether or not you're into the witchy stuff, it's, it's an interesting thing to look into. Yeah, we both are somewhat into that as well. Um, Like, you know, the crystals and the tarot cards. I'm like, I'm all into it, but I'm also super, I'm also super lazy. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I believe a lot of that stuff. I'm just too lazy to actually do (laughs) it. (laughs) Okay. All right. Let's jump into some fun questions now to get wrapped up. All right, Lucy, if you could have one superpower, what would it be and why? Hmm. I think I've thought about this before and I think the two that I would gravitate towards is either teleportation or invisibility and I have different reasons for both so teleportation obviously I could travel the world just like with the snap of my fingers and so that would be cool um but also invisibility I've always been curious to know like what people say when I'm not around and so it'd be cool to be able to just sit in a room and them not see me and be able to hear everything they're saying (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know what? I just came up with a conspiracy theory while you were telling us about <laughs> invisibility. I've heard a few other people have said that too. I wonder, no, I really wonder if like in Christian and like religious circles, maybe that's like a trauma response that like we want to be invisible because there's so much like, at least for me, I feel like when I was in a room with, with very fundamentally re- religious people, there was always gossip about the people that were not religious enough. That is so and true. And then you would leave the room and wonder, am I now the person they're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Next question. What is your favorite comfort food? Um, Probably anything involving pasta. I eat a lot of pasta. 
if I if I'm really down and don't want to cook something, then probably something like chips and hummus. Oh, yummy. Oh, that sounds good. I love hummus. All right. I had to make this question especially for you. Coffee or tea? This is actually really hard. I think Ooh. <laughs> I think right now I'm going to have to go with tea, but only because I am on a matcha latte kick and that's green tea. Ooh. And I've never really been a tea person before that. Mm-hmm. But whenever I got into matcha, which was like last year, I was hooked immediately and haven't really gone back since. I still drink a lot of coffee, but I drink more matcha. And you just posted a picture on your Instagram. I think it was Instagram too, like in the last couple of days. And it was like this beautiful like matcha latte and you did like the fancy foam art, like the leaf and everything. I was like, oh, that looks so good. Yes. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. What brings you the most joy right now in your life? My fiance and my dog, for sure. But also, if we're going like top three, my plants. You're lucky you don't kill them like me. I love plants. (laughs) (laughs) I had to take a lot of time to learn how to not kill them. So it's all practice. (laughs) And then the last one. So this question's a little bit more involved so that's why I did you see this question I had sent it earlier about the songs yes yes what are three songs that elicit the strongest emotions for you yes so they're all from movies um and I am very emotionally connected to movies regardless of what they are and these are some of my favorite movies so I'm the same way without spoiling the movies at all I'll just tell you you need to watch We Bought a Zoo Elizabeth Town and About Time if you haven't but the songs I love all of those movies Oh my gosh <laughs> we can be best friends because <laughs> those movies are so important to me but the so songs good. from those movies are Don't Be Shy by Cat Stevens It'll All Work Out by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and The Luckiest by Ben Folds. And the way that I feel when I listen to these songs, just any of them, not even all three, the best way I can describe it is just the feeling of wholeness. Like I feel fully connected to myself and to the world and they just remind me to appreciate the present moment and yeah i think that's really important with with music especially because personally a lot of the music that i've listened to in the past has either been very like dwelling on the future and like oh i can't wait until i have this or dwelling on the past and like heartbreak and things that you wish you still had and so these songs make me feel very grounded in the present so i like that a lot Mm. It's very unique. I haven't thought about that before. I love that. Yeah. That's a good point. Now I'm going to be like paying attention to that when I listen to music. Yeah. (laughs) Are we focused on the past, the future, or are we grounded in the present? (laughs) All right. Gratitude prompt time. Agnes, you get to take over. Okay. (laughs) Lucy, what are you grateful for today? I'm grateful for sunshine because we've had a lot of days of rain recently. 
and just being able to like see all all of the spring and summer colors being like fully lit up is so refreshing Mm -hmm. and just makes me want to be up and about you know so it it just gives me like a new feeling of motivation Mm -hmm. and even with that comes like self-confidence too and so I just feel better it's the seasonal depression is gone I'm back (laughs) so that's what I'm thankful for (laughs) yes (laughs) I think Agnes and I complain so much or mostly me I complain so much about seasonal depression this past winter (laughs) so I totally feel everything you just said (laughs) Margaret what are you grateful for today Um, so I actually have two things I'm grateful for, and I'm kind of like been grateful for these two things all week, but we've been doing these things every day. So one, I'm grateful, um, that we're camped, but we're camping by a lake right now. And both of our dogs, like we, we, I mean, I want to say they learned how, but you know, we just discovered that they know how to swim and it's been so fun to take our dogs down to the lake every day to go swimming and it's so cute. (laughs) So I'm grateful for that. Um, our dogs swimming. Yeah. And then the other thing I'm grateful for is this week. I don't know if it's like the lunar eclipse we just had or what, but I've just had this huge burst of like creativity in my life and I've just been working a lot on music so I've just I've had like a lot of songs coming to me and I've just been doing a lot of like composing music this week and it's been really lovely. Agnes what are you grateful for today? Today I am grateful for having natural bursts of energy because usually on Friday I'm like super burnt out but Today I woke up, I went to the gym and now it's like, I've been awake for over 12 hours (laughs) and I still, I still feel pretty energized. So I'm like, Oh, what other things can I check off my list? (laughs) Um, so yeah, I'm not, I'm very grateful to have energy on a Friday. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like the general theme for all of our things we were, we were grateful for today was kind of centered around that, like sort of upbeat, positive energy. Mm. Look at us. We're good. Look at us go. (laughs) Well, Lucy, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really excited we can make this happen. And yeah, I'm this just, is so yeah, fun. I'm super grateful that you came and shared your story with us. Thank you so much for having me. We believe in the power of taking even one minute a day to breathe and find gratitude in the little things. Wherever you are, if you are able, close your eyes, take a deep breath in and out, and reflect on something that you are grateful for today. We are so honored that you could join us in this discussion today, and we hope you have a beautiful week.
If you enjoyed today's Unrefined Woman podcast episode, please be sure to like, subscribe, and share. To check out other episodes, please visit our website at unrefinedwoman.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. To stay in the loop and receive access to additional content, please follow us on TikTok, username unrefinedwoman, and on Instagram at unrefinedwomanpodcasts. Special thanks to Walter Birdsong for the album cover, Margaret Rainey for our podcast music, Andrew Cioni for our gratitude prompt music, and Sean Butcher for editing and production. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week.